Welcome to the Eastern Current Saltwater Fishing Podcast presented by Outdoors by Owner. OBO helps the outdoorsmen find the perfect home to rent for their next outdoor pursuit. Whether you're looking for a house right on the shallow water flats of Florida Bay with world-class sight fishing right out your back door, or you want to find a weekend mountain getaway for you and your family, OBO has the house for you. To check out all their incredible properties, visit go-obo.com. On today's podcast, I chat with good buddy and fellow guide, Captain Daryl Holtz. We discuss live sonar and how game-changing it can be in both fresh and salt water. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Eastern Current on Patreon. There you'll be able to find our weekly Ramp Talk podcast where my guide buddies and I discuss our day-to-day fishing on the way to the boat ramp in the morning. I've teamed up with Florida Fishing Products to outfit my guide service with their spinning reels, braided line, and fluorocarbon leader, and I'm looking forward to giving you some real-world feedback on their gear. I've been enjoying their Osprey CE for all my light tackle, redfish, and speckled trout, and Resolute for my beefier setups for big reds, cobia, tarpon, and jacks. I'm looking forward to helping further their mission to equip anglers to fish better, which couldn't align closer with our values here at Eastern Current. Be sure to check out their website, floridafishingproducts.com, or ask about them at your local tackle shop. Temple Fork Outfitters is the rod of choice for all of us here at Eastern Current. Whether we're fly fishing for shallow water redfish, sight casting to cobia from a tower, or dropping live pinfish to grouper in 100 feet of water, they have the rod for the job. Their customer service is unmatched by any rod company out there, and their rods can take the beating of everyday guide use without any issues. My favorite rod for redfish and speckled trout is their seven foot medium light tactical inshore spin rod. Be sure to check out their website, tforods.com. Daryl, I'm glad we're finally able to knock out a podcast. Uh, I know we've, I've been kind of, not we, you've been very cooperative. I've been kind of all over the place. But life's busy when you get to, when you have two little kids. You'll, you'll know one day. But man, thanks for, thanks for recording with me. Yeah, no problem. Good to, good to chat with you. And, uh, yeah, you know, sometimes it's tough when you got two fishing guides and try to make the schedules line up. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it can be very tough and, and that's part, that's half my job with this podcast. So it's, uh, it's usually a lot of, uh, a lot of rescheduling, scheduling, rescheduling, but stoked to, stoked to have you on. We were going to try to record a podcast. We were just recently, Mike and I were up in Michigan fishing with Daryl, epic trip, lots of big smallmouth, And I wanted to bring the podcast stuff up there, but the cheap, cheap airlines we were flying on, it was like so much extra per bag. So we just left it at home. Uh, it was going to essentially cost us like 150 bucks just to get stuff there and back. So we decided to leave it at the house. But now we're recording, uh, you know, a week and a half, two weeks out from our trip or, you know, since our trip. And, uh, man, what an awesome trip. That smallmouth fishing. I remember the first time I came up there and fished with you and steelhead fished. Uh, we, I mean, I was already talking with you. I'm like, man, I want to come up there and smallmouth fish with you. But um, kind of take people through your story, your fishing story. Um, and then we'll jump into kind of your guiding cause you do a lot of different stuff, but kind of t- take people through your, your childhood and how you kind of fell for fishing and, and how it's brought you to here. Yeah, for sure. So honestly, like, you know, grew up doing a little bit of fishing here and there, you know, kind of like go up North camping and just, you know, cast a little spoon off the dock, stuff like that growing up. I, I really wasn't like super serious into the fishing scene. Um, and then kind of, as I grew up, I was in high school and, a lot of my buddies were kind of fishing some of my local lakes for bass and pike and all kinds of stuff like that. And it kind of 
sparked my interest a little bit. So, uh, like sophomore, junior year of high school, I started just, you know, fishing some lakes from shore or from a kayak and doing some top water frogging and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, definitely had some fun doing it. And it was, uh, you know, little did I know it was going to be the start of where I am here today. Um, so it was kind of funny. A lot of the kids I went to school with, a couple of them ended up going to school over on the west side of the state. And they were catching salmon and steelhead, and I couldn't help but be just really intrigued by all of it. They were catching these huge fish. They were fighting really hard, and uh, ultimately, I ended up hooking my first charter ever. I'd never been on a fishing charter before in my life, and my dad and I booked a charter to come up and salmon fish. And that would be that'd be about nine years ago now when I, I booked that charter with my dad and we came up to the Manistee River for just a half day of fishing and caught my first salmon ever. That's and awesome. it's been pretty much like wildfire since then, doing everything from fishing for salmon to smallmouth to steelhead to guiding down in Florida and running private boats down in Florida. Um, so now it's just turned into this, you know, life lifelong obsession of fishing and guiding and uh you know it's, it's really been awesome so yeah it's always it's it's funny because it, we're we're very similar but different like you, you've got a heavy freshwater background and then you know started to dabble in salt water and guide pretty seriously in salt water and then i was kind of the opposite with a start in salt water fishing and then you know getting my feet wet doing the which you hate it seems like but doing the trout fishing and that kind of um, fresh, yeah. freshwater fishing, which I, I would, I don't blame you. If I had all the options that you've got up by you, I, I would probably never go fly fish for trout either. Um, but with that being said, it's kind of funny to see the, the two opposites, um, you know, the freshwater backgrounds to, to saltwater and then vice versa. But, um, that, uh, that, that's a cool story, man, that, that you came up and, and, and booked the trip with your dad and caught a salmon and, and really got hooked there. But, um, and I will say this, this is Daryl's Daryl's going to be, not, he's not going to be, uh, I'm just going to give him this compliment in life. You'll fish with some people that are exponentially fishier than other people. And I would say there's about five to eight people it, that I know and have fished with. And I consider friends that, that are fishy. And Daryl is one of those top five people I fish with that is just next level fishy. Like the way he thinks, the way he's, he's always on, you know, 10% out, well, 10 out of 10%, not 10 out of hundred <laughs> percent. He's always a hundred percent. I mean, all day long while he's on the boat, he's fishing, he's focused, he's thinking like a fish. And I've got a few other buddies that are like that. And, and, you know, a lot of us have to work really, really hard. Not that Daryl doesn't work hard, but to like, to get lucky, Daryl just is very fishy and is just going to be in the fish. And that's kind of how it plays out. Um, and I saw that in the smallmouth fishing. Um, uh, but what we want to talk about today was, um, his his use of electronics in his fishing so you know graphs and screens and and different types of sonar so um, when did you start because I feel like no one starts out focused on electronics you know you just kind of learned like you said you start fishing off a dock or off a bank and even when you get kind of serious about fishing like you can you can have a whole career in fishing without ever looking at a at sonar probably but but when did it kind of click for you that it could be very beneficial to to use some of the new types of sonar yeah, so, it, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things, like like you said, I, 
especially as a river fisherman and mainly a fly fisherman when I first started, you know, to me using sonar and screens and all this stuff like was kind of foreign, honestly. And I was never really a huge believer in, you know, using sonar and using all the technology. Um, I was kind of just more of like, a, let's go out and grind and fish and, you know, put the time in and, and learn that way. Um, but now I've been using live sonar and just sonar in general pretty heavily for like four years now. Um, you know, going down to Florida and doing all my offshore fishing down there, I learned a lot about, you know, reading the bottom machine and looking for coral heads and looking for ledges and looking for hard bottom structures and just kind of learning what you were looking at on the screen. Cause sometimes it's hard to actually understand what you're looking at. It's just like a red line on the bottom or, you know, a blue line, you know, whatever it is. For sure. And, uh, you know, it's hard to actually like read it and understand, you know, what it is. Um, so over the last couple of years, watching all the bass fishermen and fishing with some of my bass fishing buddies, obviously live sonar has become a huge thing now. And uh, a couple of years back, one of my good, good buddies who I've spent a lot of time on the water with, he was uh, doing a lot of the like FLW pro series bass tournaments and he was really dialed in with his electronics for sure. And I remember going out on his boat one day and we just went out messing around lake trail fishing. And we were in like, I don't know, 60, 70 foot of water. And he's like, here, dude, he's like, check this out. He's like, point this, point this at your bait and you can watch your bait fall all the way to the bottom. I'm like, hmm. I'm like, that's pretty interesting. And I'm like, you can see it all the way on the bottom. And he said, yeah, he said, drop it down. So we dropped down like a two, three ounce jig. And sure as heck, you can literally watch the jig on the screen fall all the way down. You can watch it hit the bottom. You can watch your jig as you're jigging it. You can watch the fish come up to your jig. And uh, it kind of just clicked for me right then and there. It was just like, wow, like, I I need to have this. <laughs> and uh, I, I literally remember going home and like a week later, I, I made the huge investment and uh, got my first live scope system. And, uh, yeah, it is, it truly is incredible. The amount of information and feedback you can get from these live scope systems, whether it's, you know, the Humminbird or Lowrance or Garmin, um, they all kind of have their own parts to them. Um, but just the feedback in general that you get from looking at your screen and, and being able to kind of see the fish, the reaction of the fish, see your bait, there's just, there's so much room to learn and um yeah it's been a huge help in my fishing over the last couple years whether it be finding bait finding fish finding fish that are chasing bait watching fish how they're chasing different retrieves it's uh it's been really cool to watch it is it is mind-blowingly interesting and and what you can learn from it is is so epic and one thing i kind of want to go all through this type of sonar in a sense, but I see the, like, it's funny because traditional sonar, everything's transom mounted, right? You're, you know, you've got everything on the transom and everything you're looking at for people that don't know is history. Uh, when you're looking at a, a typical side scan or down scan or down view or any type of, you know, traditional sonar option. So whatever's yeah. coming onto the screen just happened. It's not like a live view. You're just getting a new image. It's like, 
photographs that just keep uploading, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah. but with the live view, explain what the difference is between the two. So like a live style sonar versus that. So, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I just said it for a typical sonar. Um, usually the transducers at the back of the boat and the image that you're seeing is actually an image that you've already ran over or gone past. Whereas with a live time sonar, depending on how you have it mounted, there is options to mount it like actually on the back of the transom and keep it in the water all the time. There's options to mount it on a trolling motor and then there's options to mount it on like a, an independent pole system where you can pivot it and spin it and kind of face it where you'd like to. Um, so really the main benefit to the live is it's a live action shot. So you can actually watch the fish swimming. You can watch your bait, whether you're retrieving it or letting it sink or whatever's going on. And not only is it live, but you can actually follow it. So if you're on the trolling motor or you have it on your pole system, you can actually, whether the boat's moving or not, you can turn your live sonar and follow your target and actually see which direction that fish is swimming rather than just saying, hey, we ran over a fish. There is some fish back there. I can actually look and point know how far that fish is, know what depth that fish is at, and know which direction that fish is heading in. Yeah, I mean, you can even multiple times while we were fishing, oh, look over here, guys, we've got we got about, and you'd count them, you'd be like, there's 12 smallmouth out to the right over here. And and so, I mean, yeah. you can be that exact on it, which is so cool. And side scan, man, I remember when side scan really became a big thing. That was mind-blowing. And it still has a great, you know, a great purpose. But really, I mean, you can do all of the, things with the down scan or with the live view. I mean, you can do pretty much everything now. Now, if you're out there, I, I really still see the importance of, um, side scan and down scan, like in ocean fishing, when you're out looking for wrecks or looking for, you know, like we were talking about coral heads or different things like that, where you can look wet, you're, you can, cause you're, you can only look one direction at a time with the live view. Um, but if you have, if you're running all three at the same time, you can really sweep the bottom with a massive, you know, brush, if you will, and see, see a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so it's funny you say you can only look one direction. So technically you can actually look directly under the boat. You can look out in front of you and you can look maybe 20 feet behind you at the same time. So you can oh, look really, I did not know that. Yep. Yep. So it's not just only forward. There is, and there, there is a little bit, it's kind of like a cone. It's how I like to describe it. Yeah. So when you, when you're facing or you're looking at your screen, the the image that you're seeing is actually like maybe a two to five degree cone pointing off the front. So there is a little bit of, you know, reading room there. It's not like it's a 100% straight line. It's only reading what you're pointing at. There is a little bit of side gotcha. to side. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, is it, does it become more difficult to read as you open that cone up and are looking at more stuff? Is it harder to understand exactly where you might need to cast if that makes sense yeah so you know it, the settings are there's exponential settings there are so many different settings and options with these live sonar systems um so it's really kind of tricky to figure out how to get the best image you know depending on what distance and depth you're fishing um you know under 50 foot of water i can read pretty you know i can read pretty far i can read you know 100 feet forward pretty confidently and say like hey like you know i've 
I could know for sure there's fish or not a hundred feet away from the boat, whether I'm going, you know, zero miles an hour or three, four miles an hour while scanning. Um, you know, it's really a pretty accurate live image, even at that distance. Wow. That's crazy. If I'm fishing a jig, you can bet it's going to be an eye strike Texas eye. Dave and Ralph at iStrike have built the most versatile and durable lineup of jigs in the saltwater industry. Whether you need a finesse presentation on spooky wintertime redfish, or you need to hop a big swim bait on deep water structure for cobia and bull redfish, iStrike has the jig for you. Be sure to check out their website and use code EC10 for up to 40% off all iStrike products and 10% off all Z-Man products. The code can only be used at iStrikeFishing.com, and you can find the code and the link to their website in the podcast show notes. There is no stealthier platform to fish the shallow water flats, creeks, and marshes than a pedal drive kayak. The P127 from Bonafide is my choice when I want to get out on a solo trip and access the areas that I can't get to on a flat skiff or a bay boat. It happens far too often in a boat where I have redfish and plenty of water in the back of a creek or bay, but there's a sandbar or series of sandbars between me and the fish and I just can't quite make it to casting distance. But with a kayak, I can drag across the sandbar right to them. Be sure to check out the full lineup of Bonafide kayaks on the website or at Hook, Line, and Paddle here in Wilmington. I will have a link to the Bonafide website in the show notes as well. And as far as, as far as that goes, you know, with, with the scanning, is there, do you, do you, uh, well, let's talk about this actually, as far as the other mounts for, you know, side scan goes, they seem to be after fishing with you in the way you haven't mounted pretty irrelevant compared to how you're mounting, how you're running your system. Um, so I, I what I've seen is like the transom mount. And I, I guess if, if you were just like vertical jigging, you know, a transom mounted deal might be okay, but, but tell me, walk me through the different options of mounting and, and kind of give me the, 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 you know, the pluses and minus of those, if you will. Yeah. So I don't have a ton of experience with the, the transom mounted live sonar setup. Um, I know some of the like trolling guys and stuff, for example, are running stuff like that, where they're actually keeping the the you know sonar system mounted to the transom of the boat and they'll point it back whether they're you know saltwater trolling guys they want to point it back at their lure um or their you know salmon trolling guys here in michigan where they're pointing it down at their downriggers um so i've seen it used in that application um kind of the more common application that i would say the majority of people are utilizing for the live sonar is mounting it to the trolling motor and I think that is great, especially if you're the only person in your boat fishing. Uh, if you're casting, if you're working a bank casting and you want to be able to, you know, actually cast and retrieve without taking your hand off of uh, your rod and reel or not having to adjust your trolling motor. Um, you know, so it, it, it's got its, it's got its perks to having it on the trolling motor. But for me, the one big downfall is you can't anchor mode. And for me, fishing with clients, you know, most of the time, I'm not the one actually fishing. So I prefer to be able to spot lock, adjust my, you know, live sonar on my mount system on my pole, uh, rather than having it linked directly to the trolling motor. I like having it on its own independent system. There's no restriction on whether I'm using the big motor or using the trolling motor. I can always point it, you know, wherever I want to look. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I feel like too, you know, fishing in wind on windy days or, you know, days with current, um, or areas like in the saltwater world, fishing in, in areas with heavy current, whether it be for tarpon or snook or redfish, speckled trout, whatever it may be, you know, your boat when it spot locks is going to, you know, hold a certain way, but then you can like the, essentially it looks like Daryl's mount. It looks almost like a trolling motor pole kind of that you self-deploy, um, but it has a handle that you can kind of turn. It's made out of really high quality metal. Um, but man, it just makes so much more sense to fish that way. But also the other really important thing I feel like is you've got to run a separate large screen for it that, that is easy for you to stand there, control where your sonar is pointing and then look at your screen while you're fishing. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, you know, I like to have it where wherever you're mounting your sonar, it's ideal to have the screen close to it, especially if you're going to use it for like a, a casting scenario where you're actually going to use the live scope to, you know, pick out fish or pick out bait fish and then go and throw the cast net at them or actually throw a bait at them. Right. You really want to be able to look at your screen, you know, see which way your live sonar is pointing so that you can make the cast directly at it. Whereas if you were to like, Say, for example, you had it mounted on your dash on your you know, center console, but your trolling motor is way up at the front of your boat and you're looking that way. When you're going to cast out at it, it's, you know, your live sonar is 10 feet from where you're actually looking at your screen. Right. So it kind of throws the angles off. It throws the, it just throws you off a little bit. It's a lot harder to, you know, make that precise cast and see exactly what it's looking at when it's that much further away from you yeah one thing that i've thought always thought about the live sonar setups at first was like uh you know if you weren't mounting on your trolling motor and you would, didn't have a bass boat with graphs like down by your feet i was like oh, it just looks goofy like it just looks goofy it's not worth it yeah. but after fishing with it i'm like i don't care what it looks like with how beneficial yeah. it is to have i mean um and being able to steer it and and look at it and it's i mean it, and and you know even if you can't uh, you know, have it set up exactly perfectly to where you can read it and fish at the same time. It still is so helpful to be, you know, as a guide, even if you had people say I wasn't casting and I had it kind of mounted back near my helm where I could aim it and get my clients to cast in the right direction. And I could see the screen, you know, and from a guiding standpoint, your clients don't have to necessarily see the screen. It's just like if I was yeah. fishing a redfish and I was walking them through the retrieve, you know, as, 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 the, the redfish was reacting to what was going on. It's the same scenario as, as sight fishing, but you're using your, your graph to sight fish essentially. Um, exactly. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, th that, how you said it makes perfect sense. Right. So it's like, I guess it, it kind of depends if you're using it for guiding or using it for personal use, because when, when, yeah, when you're guiding or you're trying to have, you know, multiple clients fishing at the same time, it's really nice to have it, you know, just kind of where I'm at rather than where the client's at because the reality is the clients aren't going to be the ones that are, like, going and, you know, adjusting the live scope and watching their bait on the screen. Most of the time it's me saying, hey, guys, there's, you know, a lot of fish 50 feet out this way. You know, both you guys cast over here and then I'll look at their baits on the screen and I'll say, oh, yep, you got one following you, reel it faster or open your bait, I'll drop it back down and then start reeling it. And, uh, it just kind of, it gives the clients that confidence too, knowing that like, Hey, we are having fish follow, but you know, maybe we need to do something a little bit different on our retrieve and it allows them to get, 
it allows them to get feedback. It allows me to get feedback. And overall, I think, you know, I wouldn't say it's putting a ton more fish in the boat, but I would say on a daily basis, we're converting a lot more fish that you may not ever know were following you into actual bites. And, uh, you know, it, it does, it does make a difference for sure. And it just gets you casting in the right direction. Like, let's say I'm speckled trout fishing and I'm in a Creek and I know there's a lot of speckled trout in there. Uh, but, and, and you've, and you've gone and you've side scanned and you've kind of marked where those fish were, you know, you can constantly keep tabs on them with the live view because you can aim it and see where they're going. Those fish, I mean, they will, I mean, a lot of fish will lay up and kind of stay in the same area, uh, in a general area, but they're kind of bopping around and moving, you know, 20 yards this way, 15 feet this way. And it just kind of keeps you dialed in where with side scan, when I would try to, you know, sight fish essentially with side scan, it was a lot of times it was, you know, you make a drive by and idle past, drop a pin on where the fish were, then kind of ease back in there and start fishing to where you can be a lot more stealthy with the live view because you can, you know, troll a motor through, see the fish, and then as they're moving, you can kind of follow them with the live view and, and, and just be a little bit, you know, more strategic. Now, I want to get into, in just a second, into the feedback side of things. But before we jump into that, I want to talk about depth-wise. So realistically, and, and also... I want you to share what you were sharing with me about like reading from shallow to deep versus deep to shallow. But, but, uh, realistically, where is it too, when does it become too shallow to read? Or is there like a, if you're really shallow, you can only read a certain distance kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, there's a couple of different modes of the live sonar. Um, just like a brief rundown. There's perspective mode, forward mode and down mode. Um, so down mode is going to be for your deeper water applications. Uh, deepest I've really kind of used mine is like maybe that hundred, 130 foot range. Um, I really don't do a ton of fishing here deeper than that. Um, but it is capable of reading a little deeper than that. And there are some other models and stuff like that, that you can get a little more range out of. Um, but that would be in down mode and then forward mode, which is kind of the mode that I utilize the most. Um, it'll give you a straight down image and then it'll read anywhere from like 50 feet to, you know, even up to like 150 feet forward, you know, whatever way you're pointing that sonar. So that's kind of my favorite go-to mode. Um, you know, I would say it reads really well from like, 50 feet all the way down to that like seven six seven foot range um i will say when it when you do get shallower you know less than 10 10 feet of water it can start to get a little tricky to read the sonar um it it takes a lot of time just playing around with settings and and getting your your range right and all that stuff um but you can still see your bait you can definitely still see the fish and, um, you know, you can still get what you need to out of it, even in the shallow water. So would you say even in that five to eight foot range, three to three to eight foot range, is it, does it become pretty darn like difficult, you know, under eight feet or can you, can you, is it still where I'm thinking of just like redfish, speckled trout, stuff like that, um, that are a lot of times in that, you know, three to eight to 10 foot range do you feel like you could still pick those fish up at 10 15 uh yards out oh, from the boat 50 feet out oh yeah 100 percent. if i'm you know in in three foot of water maybe not and in five to eight feet of water i feel like i could confidently 
at 50, 60 feet out from the boat, I could distinguish if it was a fish, if it was moving. Um, the, the thing you know, I have difficulties with in that shallower water is identifying the bait. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, I don't mean like bait fish. I mean my actual bait that I'm throwing to the fish. For sure. Uh, you'll be able to see the bait fish. You'll be able to see the fish moving. Um, but it, it can just be a little bit more difficult, at least from my experiences. I know some of the bass guys are using it in two, three feet of water and, um, you know, they're having pretty good success with it. Like they're, they're definitely a little more in tune with the settings and they're spending a lot of time using it. And, uh, you know, I think that helps for sure, but I really don't do personally a ton of fishing in that two, three foot range. Um, and if I am, usually I can see, I can actually see the fish with my own two eyes rather than actually having to use the live sonar. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, I guess that kind of sparks another thought in my head is, so this live sonar, obviously it's, you know, like any other sonar, it's shooting beams through the water. Right. Right. And live sonar, it's actually got a couple different beams that it's shooting off on different angles. And that's kind of how you're getting that live, you know, kind of almost three-dimensional image on your screen. And um, I will say some of the fish do definitely hear it and notice it. Um, so, and especially in that super, super shallow water. So I've noticed it where, like, I'll, I'll see a water fish. I'll be pointing the live sonar right at them, and I can't get bit. And then I'll, I'll, I'll kind of look, see where they're at. I'll point the live sonar off of those fish. And then I'll get a bite. So really? I, I can't say for sure, you know, a hundred percent that it's the distinguishing factor of why I'm getting bit and why I'm not. But I feel like there's definitely, and, and I've seen it in some of the bass fishing guys stuff too, where they'll, they'll be retrieving, they'll watch a fish following. And then as soon as they know that fish is on the bait, they'll turn their sonar away from it to, you know, maybe prevent it from spooking that fish or that fish hearing that, you know, interaction in the water. Um, so that's kind of another thing that comes into play a little bit. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, if a fish is going to eat, it's going to eat no matter what sometimes, but for those super, you know, finicky pressured fish, you know, maybe that's something that kind of plays a little bit more of a role than I may have realized in it. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. You say that too. Like one thing I always try to be really conscious of when polling is to cut my graph off, even just my down scan and side scan, just turn it completely off because you know, of, of the, the sound that it makes the, the frequency underwater, um, something that you could completely just never even realize and be like, why are all these fish way off the bank and spooky when I'm coming through, you know, and it could be that they're hearing your, you know, your sonar underwater. So, yeah. It is, uh, it's very interesting and, and man, as, as cool as it is to sit there and watch every single cast and watch a fish eat it just to locate where you need to be casting is, is good enough. You know what I mean? Just to locate, especially if it's groups of fish or, uh, you know, speckled trout or small mouth or snook laid up, you know, in some mangroves, the, the ability to, to be able to, to, to see that and, and to know, kind of dial you in and focus you in an area is, is important enough. I feel like it's good enough. Um, but t- take me through kind of, cause that's one of the things that I, I saw with you, the feedback and be just being able to learn differences in your retrieve that, and, and put stuff together, changing colors and stuff like that. Are there some big learning curves that you've kind of gone through with that live view, um, or live sonar? Yeah. So, 
Um, you know, it, it really depends on what species you're fishing for because uh, obviously you kind of set up differently and you're, you know, you're casting different baits and doing different retrieves depending on what species you're doing. Um, but one thing that was kind of like really interesting and intriguing for me uh, with smallmouth was if you would cast out and you would keep reeling it above their head or if you would drop it down below them and then start reeling, um, you'd notice a big difference in how they would react to the bait. So some days it seemed like they wanted the bait above them and they, they didn't want it at their level or below them. Other days it seemed like they wanted it right on the bottom. Um, and it's just cool to see, it's cool to see how those fish react, even if they aren't actually going to chase the bait or follow the bait. But if you see one kind of on the screen, maybe 20, 30 feet back from your bait, kind of come up to it and then turn off of it, like 10, 15 feet off the bait, then, you know, maybe, Hey, maybe it's too, too high up in the calm and it's kind of out of his wheelhouse. It's out of his comfort, you know, comfortable zone. Um, so maybe you need to do a slower retrieve you need to let it sink a little more you need to bounce it on bottom um and i'd say that's been the main benefit to live scope is just the feedback that you get uh from the fish and and from from the bottom and and the structure that you're fishing too um you know it doesn't just show fish it does show structure it does show rocks on the screen you can see logs sticking up you can see you know you can see everything that's in the water, not just the fish. So that's kind of another big advantage of it too. Yeah, that's very true. I, um, I remember you pointing out the, some stuff that was on the screen and just being able to see it and see how the fish were orienting to it and relating to it was really, really cool. Um, and I think that's, I think that's one of the reasons I really want to put it on my boat is just to get that feedback, to be able to learn, you know, you can learn, I, I've learned so much about redfish fish through being able to sight fish them. Um, and then I, I would just, I, it is so exciting to be, to be able to kind of, you know, do that with a lot of other species that I can't actually lay my eyes on in, in shallow water. So that's one thing that, that entices me for sure. Now, um, is there any applications that you feel like you, you stick to, you know, your traditional down scan or your side scan, uh, outside of that? Uh, you know, I, I still do find myself using my regular sonar, you know, regularly, um, I, I would say for like a lot of my deeper water application stuff where I'm, I'm, you know, for example, salt water, like if say I was just down in Florida and I was fishing deep water, looking for snappers and groupers and, you know, fishing that hundred, hundred foot plus range, um, you know, the live sonar, it, it still works. And I think it's still a tool to, to use and have, but sometimes I think it's also easy to get wound up staring at your screen and just, you know, getting too focused on the screen. I think that yeah. uh, sometimes it's better to just kind of go back to the, you know, mentality of like, let's, we need to fish and not just be so worried about, you know, what's on the screen or what we see on the screen. And, you know, as much as I like to think that I can see every fish on the screen, there's definitely some fish that are, you know, sneaking by or that you're not seeing or, uh, maybe they're super glued to bottom and they're not moving or they're really lethargic. You know, sometimes it is hard to read them on the live sonar. Yeah. So I think it's definitely a tool. Um, but I don't think it's like a one tool does everything type deal. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, it's got its place just like, just like everything. Yeah. 
Now, what does it look like while we wrap this up? If somebody wants to set up live scope or any type of um, live sonar, what does the price range look like for for a setup? Um, you know, there there change. Kind of, there's some different models and options and stuff. Uh, I think that like base starting line, you know, you'd be looking in the two to three thousand dollar range to kind of get started. Um, and I, you know, that lower end, the $2,000 range, you you know, you'd be kind of getting an older model live scope. You'd be definitely having to mount it to your trolling motor. Um, and then you'd probably want to, you'd probably be using a screen that you already have. Um, if you did want to go like all out and get the newest live scope model, get a pole mount for the side of your boat and a new screen specifically for your live scope, you know, it's pretty easy to spend you know upwards of five thousand dollars on it yeah um and i think that's why i think that's part of why i was so hesitant to you know take the leap and and make the investment into it um obviously as a charter captain it it kind of made sense you know the amount of time i'm on the water it, it it paid itself off in the first month of using it i was so happy with it and um but it, it, it's a tough pill to swallow especially for your everyday or, you know, your weekend fisherman, um, you know, who's not doing this, making a full-time career out of fishing. It, it can be a hard pill to swallow to spend two to five grand on a sonar system. Right. Right. It's uh, it, it is a lot of money, but it, man, it, it does serve a purpose. I just think about fishing a bridge or something like that, being able to pull up to a bridge, spot lock, scan around, see where the black drum and redfish are sitting on the bridge and pitch your bait right to them. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it, it's just, yeah, pretty hard to beat. I mean, I feel like the problem is once you get it, you're going to always have to have it. Like, it would be so tough to go away from it. And you got to have the right boat for it. I mean, not necessarily the right boat, but the right – I mean, I'm thinking – like, I'm not going to go mount this on a flat skiff. You know, I need a bay boat or an aluminum boat or something. You know, it, it, it's a lot of gear. It takes up a little bit of space. And you're running yours pretty much all uh, – all, um, separate from the rest of your wiring and everything from your boat right yeah so um i have mine set up as a, a portable live scope system is kind of what some of the guys call it um they do like ice fishing bundles like some of the ice fishing guys are using the same similar setup um mine's just kind of bulked up I've, i'm running mine off its own independent lithium battery I have all my sonar wires, the live scope brain in that same box with the battery. Um, and kind of the only reason I really do it is because I'm using two different boats for my guiding. So this allows me to take the same mount, the same transducer, the same battery, use it in the bay boat, and then also use it in my river boat. So it, it allows me to not have to, you know, spend $10,000 and get two live scope systems. Right, I can right. Use same one and move it from boat to boat that's cool do you see uh, any big you know changes that you think will will happen with how it's mounted and how it's used or do you feel like we're kind of there with live scope or is there still a lot to you know as far as mounts go and usage goes um, you know i there's definitely new stuff coming out every year and uh you know kind of one of the newer things that has been out for a little bit now that i i really personally want to get is they they're making a independent pole system that has its own motor basically so yeah like for example how you can turn your trolling motor with a remote or a foot pedal 
you would be able to independently turn your live scope mount with a remote or foot pedal nice. uh, independent of your trolling motor. And I think that's really cool, especially for what I'm doing. It would be really nice to have a, a little foot pedal or, you know, whatever set up to where I didn't have to actually take a hand off the rod to move my live scope or adjust my live scope while I'm retrieving or while I have a fish chasing it. Um, you know, cause it can definitely, it can definitely throw you off when you have to take your hand off the reel or rod for a split second. And sometimes it can even, you know, screw up the bite and you miss a bite because you had to move your hand for a minute. Right. No, that, that was one thing I was thinking about. I, I, I was doing some research and trying to find something like that, but I couldn't. Um, but yeah, I figured that would be a big one would be, uh, the ability to do it by by foot or with a remote um essentially looking just like a it would i mean i I could imagine something coming out that looked a lot like you know a trolling motor base and mount much smaller because you wouldn't need all that but um to to work to deploy it and kind of keep it stowed there on your bow yeah exactly and it's it basically is just like what you said it's maybe like a three by six inch little box with a motor in it and um if they don't have the one that i've seen isn't like an auto deploy option right you have to go up a manual you know dunk it in the water quick and then go from there um but you know needless to say it's definitely a piece of technology that for sure has uh you know it has it has a place in the fishing world for sure and i think that it's something as we kind of move on with this live sonar trend there's going to be more options for mounting. There's going to be more options for, you know, where to mount it and how to mount it and having, you know, an electronic system to where you could have it independent of the trolling motor. Um, you know, I think we're still pretty surface as far as live sonar goes. I think there's going to be a lot of improvement and uh, forward movement going with the live sonar and the mounts and all that. So, Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Well, um, Daryl, before we wrap up, I want to give you the opportunity to share, you know, your guide business, how people can find you. And, and you guys, if y'all are ever up in Michigan or if you've ever dreamed of catching massive steelhead or massive smallmouth and, and, and good numbers, like the fishing up there and Daryl's dialed in and man, it's every time I've been up there, he's just blown, been blown away with how incredible the fisheries are up there. So uh, if you're in Michigan or if you, you know, you have the desire to get up there and, and catch some of those great lakes fish, um, Daryl's your guy, but how can people find you? Um, so website, my business is called diverse angling, uh, com. based out of Traverse city area for most of my stuff, but I do move around a little bit. Um, and then I also do have an Instagram. I'm sure Jug can tag it here for us. Just at captain Daryl Holt. And, uh, yeah, those are kind of my two main platforms that I'm using. Um, but yeah. It's, um, you know, it's crazy how things have progressed. It's funny. I think about your trip. You came up here, like, what was it now? Three or four years ago, you and Mike came up and steelhead fish. And it had to uh, be four, four or five, because it was, it was before I had, a, had a, any kids. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it was, it was. Um, so it's just, it's crazy, you know, how things have progressed and grown over the years. And, um, you know, it's, it's really cool to just be, uh, see the growth and uh you know build a good clientele and um have such awesome diverse programs and fisheries here 
to utilize and, and show people. So for sure, for sure. Well, guys, like Daryl said, I'll link everything in the show notes. Um, it, you know, feel free to reach out to me as well. Uh, and I can connect you with Daryl, but, but I mean, it, it is worth getting up there. If you haven't fished around Michigan, Traverse city, uh, it is just a stunning area. The water looks like the Florida keys, if not prettier. And, and the fishing is just awesome. So, uh, hit, hit Daryl up, go follow him on Instagram, keep up with his, uh, with his fishing. If you, if you want giant small mouth, he's your guy for sure. So man, thanks for, thanks so much for, uh, doing the podcast with me and, and, uh, we'll, we'll have to do it again soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Definitely. And guys, thanks for listening to another Eastern current podcast. Go save up and get you some live sonar because it is a game changer and we'll see you next week. Later. If you're anything like me, you like a clean boat. That's why I've chosen to partner with Carolina First Mate out of South Carolina. Carolina First Mate is a family-owned business that provides environmentally friendly boat cleaning alternatives. My two favorite products are their hole cleaner that doesn't harm your trailer and their boat wash. Be sure to use code EC15 for 15% off your online purchase. If you're interested in checking out all their products, you can find a link to their website in the podcast show notes.